0: Hey SIA family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I wanna encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world giving is safe and simple you can go to our app or you can go to our website cfmiami.org give well god bless you and i hope you enjoy this message man what a church family what a great time of prayer at all of our campuses amen and you know one thing i love about god's word is that it says in first john chapter 5 it says this and this is the confidence that we have. That if we pray anything according to His will, the promise is that He hears us. Do you believe that, Church family, on all campuses? Come on, let's give another shout of praise to our wonderful God. Well, welcome again. My name is Omar. And I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at CF. And uh, if you're joining us today for the first time, whether it's online or maybe at one of our campuses, listen, we are thrilled, we are honored that you have decided to join us today. We are in our second week of a series that we've called The Five Solas. And last week was... Uh, October 31st, and the world celebrates Halloween on that day, but the church celebrates Reformation Day. Yeah, because 500 years ago, the church went through a reformation. And out of that era, there were five fundamental truths that that came out of that that era that really, really shape and are the fundamentals of our faith. And last week we learned that we are saved by, our, by grace alone. And it was a great week, amen, for us to study that, that thought. And today we're going to be learning how we are saved through faith alone. And so I'm ready and excited to dive into God's word. Are you all too, yeah? yeah. All right. And so today turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And you can follow along with me wherever you're watching, all right? Let's do what God's word says. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through, what's the next word? Through faith. And this is not your own doing. Oh, no. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. In other words, our faith is that simple thing not only that saves us, but keeps us safe in our Heavenly Father's arms. Amen, family? Amen. And that is God's word. You could go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that I was actually born in the beautiful island of Puerto Rico. How many Puerto Ricans do we got out there? There we go. Wait, wait, yeah. And... Uh, you know, when I was about seven years old, my mom got a job offer here in Miami, so we, I naturally moved here with her uh, in 1991. But growing up, my first several years of my life, I spent them there in Puerto Rico. And one of my fondest memories was always spending time with my grandfather. And uh, what we used to, go, to do all the time was go to the marina where he had his houseboat, as you can see, he built that household by hand, And he also had a little boat that we used to go out and have fun at the sea. And so we used to go out there, and it was just such a great time. And the place we used to go out from was this place called Fajardo in Puerto Rico in the northern east part of the island. And it was a great, great time for me as a child. But check this out. Because it was in the middle of that sea, of that basin, that I got really good at swimming. Oh yeah, and here's what. And so here's what would happen. Once we would go out to the middle of the sea, here's what would happen. We would go find a good place and my, fa- my grandfather would give me a rope just like this. He would tie it around my waist. He would put it in my hand and then he would say, Omar, jump in that water. And so as a five, six-year-old jumping into a deep blue sea, I would just run in there, jump in there, and it was right there where I really got good at swimming. And here's what my grandfather would always tell me. Oh boy, listen, when you're in the water, it doesn't matter how far you drift away from me. It doesn't matter how far I start drifting. It doesn't matter how high the waves get. It doesn't matter how deep you think it is or all the imaginary sharks that are all around you. Listen, as long as you hold on to this rope, you will always be safe. Why? Because this simple rope is what connected me to my earthly grandfather. And so even though this little rope doesn't look like much, the truth of the matter, is that this simple rope is what kept me from drifting off and drowning and being lost forever, this simple little rope. And church, let me just bring all of that over to our time together. Because family, what an image of how we are connected to our heavenly Father. And, And by that I mean that just like my grandfather had a rope, right, that kept me tethered to him every single moment in that water, so I would never drown and I would never get lost. Listen, just like that. And here's the main idea as we dive into God's word. You know, our heavenly father has a rope of sorts that keeps us connect, that keeps his children connected to him so that to prevent us from ever drifting up or ever be taken down by the undertow of the enemy. And who knows, maybe right now you are here and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, Omar, what is that rope, that simple rope that keeps us connected to our Heavenly Father? Because sometimes I feel like, you know, like my sin just drags me away from, from God sometimes. And I feel like I'm sometimes taken down by the enemy. Or, or perhaps you're watching right now and maybe you're visiting for the first time and you're not connected to the Lord. And so and and you feel in your life, you're sitting here, you're watching online, and the truth of the matter is that you feel you're not connected to God and you feel like you're drowning in the sea of of his life. And so you're wondering, Omar, what is that simple rope that saves me and keeps me connected to God? Well, we're gonna find out from the book of Ephesians chapter two, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, today I have, uh, you can also fire up your, your Christ Fellowship apps and you can follow along there with us, write some notes, it's a terrific app. And today I have three thoughts for us about what saves us and what keeps us safe in our Heavenly Father's arm. So write this down as point number one. The first thing you need to know is that you are saved through your faith in Christ alone. In fact, let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. It says, for by grace you have been saved through what, church family? Faith. faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. i right there for just a moment. Because last week we learned that a fundamental position of the Christian faith is that every single person, whether they realize it or not, are in desperate need to be saved. Specifically, to be saved from our sin and the eternal consequences of it, which is eternal death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And family, God being a loving God, From the very beginning, listen, he always planned to save us from our sin. And last week we learned that the reason that God decided to save us was because of his grace, right? And we learned the word grace means unmerited favor or uh, undeserved loving kindness that he has for you. And so if you missed the first week of this series, I wanna really encourage you, go back to our website, watch last week's teaching because I think it's gonna be very fundamental for you as you move forward in your Christian walk. And so even though grace, right, is the basis, is the reason for our salvation, we also learned that faith is the mechanism or uh, the instrument by which we are saved. Now, this whole concept that we are saved by our faith alone was very clear during the early church 2,000 years ago. But after, but, but after 1,500 years, there were certain doctrines, there were certain teachings, uh, there were certain rituals and traditions that the medieval church held, folks, that were not found in God's Word. And and one of those teachings that the medieval church was really telling people was that faith was necessary for salvation, was necessary to to be right with God, but, and here's the key, but it was not sufficient. Now, small nuance there, but tremendous impact. They said, listen, faith is necessary for salvation, but it is not sufficient. And so here's what the medieval church was teaching. First off, off, to receive salvation, you had to do a bunch of rituals and traditions, especially during the early years of your life, during infancy and adolescence, and you had to do all these rituals, all these traditions. And if you did those things, then you would be saved and you would be then right with God. But that wasn't enough. Because now when you got into your adult life, into your regular life, your faith was not enough either, right? Because you had to do all, still abide by a lot of rituals and traditions, but still live a certain moral life, certain things, certain expectations of you. And if you fail to do those things, those actions, whichever they may be, listen, then you would fall away from your salvation. You will lose your salvation. And then to make matters worse, even if you did all those traditions and rituals, even if in your life you you lived that perfect life that they wanted you to live, even after you died, your faith wasn't alone to get you to God. Oh no, because at that point, Then they would ask your family members who were still here on earth to do certain things, to do a bunch of things, even to give money to the church, what they called indulgences. And only if you gave money to the church, then that would speed up your process to go to heaven. And church families and people were discouraged. People were exhausted. And can I tell you, people were just turned off with anything to do with God and the church. And so 500 years ago, a group of men called the Reformers, led by Martin Luther, we've heard all that heard that name, fought against these errors, and one of the main things they fought for was this truth that we are saved through our faith alone. Or in the Latin, right, because they used to write everything in Latin, a uh, faith alone is it, translated to sola fide. In fact, everyone say sola. sola. Everyone say fide. fide. Yeah. So sola means alone, fide means faith. So they argued for this concept of sola fide, folks. And this is what they argued against. Write this down a small letter A that faith plus something can never save you. In fact, listen to what it says in the very next verse, in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of what, church family? Works. Of works. Lest anyone should boast. In other words, it, your salvation was not a result of all the traditions and rituals you did with it when you were a little kid. It's not due to how the, the technicality of how you lived your life and all your actions in your life, and it doesn't even matter what your family do, what your family members do after you have passed away. And folks, even though the medieval church fell into that error, can I tell you? Even today, you and me could fall into that type of mentality. See, because it's easy for us, even today, for us to think that the way that we are saved or the way that we feel in our hearts that we are right with God is if we have faith, and listen carefully, and we live a good moral life that the way that we are right with God is that we have faith and we have a great church attendance. That the way we're right with God is that we have faith and we got baptized. That we have faith and we have perfect obedience. Faith and that we love to serve other people. Faith, and I love this one, and we have never harmed anyone, so I'm right with God, right? In fact, here's a good way for you to, to kind of check yourself or ask yourself to see if you're drifting back into this mentality. And so today I wanna introduce to us what I call the Save-O-Meter, the Save-O-Meter, yeah. And so the Save-O-Meter, here's what it tracks, right? Let's suppose right now after, it's a beautiful day, great weather today, right, amazing. And after this service, you're like, you know what? And I'm hungry, so let's go get a bite to eat. So then we, you get in a car and you start heading down to that restaurant. And unfortunately, on your way there, you have a terrible car accident and you lose your life. So right now, these are the last moments in your life. Now, the question that this meter kind of is posing to you is this. How sure or how certain are you that you will go to heaven in a few moments. Now, I'm not going to ask you to speak up. I'm going to ask you to really ask, answer that honestly in your heart. Zero being, I have no assurance. Like, I, I, I have no right now, right? And as you go up, right, it's, it's more. Three is like, uh eh, I don't know about that. Five is I'm 50 7 I'm like, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. 9.9, man, I'm... I'm dialed in, 9.9, I'm dialed in, right? Some of us are thinking, man, I'm I'm at a zero. Some of us are three. Some of us are at five. Some of us are seven. And some of us, man, I feel really, really good about it. Yeah, we hear one person clap somewhere (laughs) in that crowd, back there. But here's what I want you to understand, right? You, I think all of us have answered a different one. Some of us answered zero, different numbers, whatever. But here's what I want us to understand. This is a trick question because it's either zero or a 10. Either zero or a 10. And if you answered anywhere between a 0.1 to a 99.9, here's why you have said that is because somewhere along the way, you've drifted into this mentality, yeah, that my faith is necessary, but it's not sufficient, and so you're basing your assurance on how well you performed that week. So maybe perhaps this week was not a good week for you. Man, you screamed at your spouse. You lusted a little way too much. You did. You drove by that guy that needed, to, needed help changing a tire, and you just kept driving. You weren't very nice to that person at Starbucks. So you're not very sure, but maybe some of us who are a little closer to a nine, who answered that to a 9.5 or 9.9, you had a great week, right? You were the perfect hubby, right? You 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 didn't have a lustful thought this week. You were generous. You gave to that person who was in need. You were so sweet to that boss. You got here to church and you were worshiping. Yeah, you have your hands raised because you feel good about how you performed this week. But here's what I want to help us understand. The moment that you start putting, rating, how right you are with God based, right, on how you perform that week, so to speak, whether you're saved or not. Listen, you've drifted back into the same era of the medieval church, which is that faith plus something else. But church, here is the wonder. right? here's the power of the gospel. In fact, write this down as letter B is that faith plus nothing saves you. Amen. 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 In fact, listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter one. It says, for I am not ashamed, for we here at Christ Fellowship, we're not ashamed of the gospel, are we? No. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who what? Believes. That's right. It's not for everyone who did those rituals. It's not for everyone who lived that perfect life. It's not for everyone who their, their, their relatives did something after they passed away. Oh, no. It's for those who what? Who believe. As it is written, the righteous shall live by what? Faith. By faith. See, God has designed it so that what saves you and makes you right with God is your simple faith. You know, going back to my opening story, you know, just like that simple little rope was connected me to my grandfather in the middle of a vast ocean, just like that. Listen, your simple faith. In fact, Jesus called it the faith of a child. Not because it's a weak faith, but rather a faith that blindly trusts God. You know, when you have a child, And your child trusts you, especially when they're young. They don't question. They just say, "You know what? I trust mommy and daddy." Right, folks. That's the type of faith—a faith that trusts, a faith that believes, a faith that has genuinely genuine affection for God. And Lord, and, and family, thank God for that, because that means that you can never lose your salvation. Think about it. If you did nothing, no actions to gain salvation, then there are no actions, right, that can make you lose your salvation. If you had to do something to gain it, then you can lose it. But since you didn't do anything to gain it, therefore you cannot lose it. Now church, does that mean that We're going to go on sinning? Absolutely not, right? You should see, because of your faith in Christ, a change in your life, right? You mature. You pursue the things of God. You want to honor the God. But, folks, make no mistake about it. Never does our right standing with God, our salvation, depend on how well or how bad you perform in your life. Folks, what differentiates God's true message of salvation to us from every other false religion in this world is that every other religion says, listen, it's faith in what we say is God plus all these things you still gotta do. But when Christ showed up to this earth, he said, no. The only way to have a relationship with me, to have to be right with God, to, have, uh, to be saved from your sins is your simple faith alone. And folks, the reformers fought And some of them even gave their life for this truth. Because without faith alone, there is no gospel. And if there's no gospel, there's no salvation. Faith alone is, in a sense, the cornerstone of our Christian faith. Why? Because it is the one thing that connects us to our Heavenly Father. Now, you may be wondering, well... What, how exactly does my faith save me? I mean, I get it intellectually, right? Faith alone—I get it, Omar. You preach it enough. I get it. But 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 how exactly is it that when I put my my faith in God, my simple faith in God, how is it that that saves me from an eternal life in hell? I mean, how does that work, Omar? We'll write this down as big number two. Your faith saves you, listen carefully, by exchanging your unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. In fact, listen to what God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter five. It says, for our sake, he, speaking of the father, made him Christ To be sin, who knew no sin, who never sinned, so that in him, so that in Christ, we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God. You see, the wonder of the gospel is that Christ came down to this earth, listen carefully, to live the perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live, amen? We can never live that perfect life of obedience that God required. Then he goes to the cross and pays the price, the price for our sins that you and I can never pay for our sin. And then he resurrects a new life to give us who are spiritually dead, we learned last week, right? To give us, us who are spiritually dead everlasting life, the ability to have life. And, folks, and so folks, listen, the moment that you put your faith, your trust in Christ and what he has done for you, listen, something marvelous happens. And it's what theologians call the great exchange. You see, we exchange all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our greed, all of our anger, all of our lust, all of envy, everything that we have done, we exchange it, it's almost like we take it off, we put it on Christ, he suffers for us, and the Father takes the perfect righteousness of Christ and puts it on us. See, that is the great exchange. And folks, here's why this is so important, you gotta listen carefully, here's why we're saved. Because when a person dies, Scripture says that each and every one of us, we're gonna to have to stand before the righteous judgment of God. And when you stand before the righteous judgment of God, it doesn't matter how many good things you've done in life, even just one sin will condemn you before God. Because God, in order to stand and be in the presence of God, a holy and righteous God, we cannot be sinners. And what we deserve for our sin is eternal death. But here's what happens: the moment that you put your faith in Christ, God's word shows us that at that moment you are now justified. In fact, everyone say justified. Justify. Now, justify is a theological term that you'll read it in scripture everywhere that, that means this. Write this down, that's letter A that when you put your faith in God, it does not mean that God makes you righteous. Right? God does not make us righteous. After you came to faith in Christ, we're still unrighteous, we still sin, right? We're still not perfect, but here's what happens. Instead, what happens is that we are now declared righteous. Declared righteous. In fact, let me just give you a, a quick example to help you understand, right? You know, one of the constitutional powers of the president of the United States is that he has the ability to grant a presidential pardon. That's part of his rights. And here's what's interesting about a presidential pardon. So many people think that a presidential pardon means that you never have to go before a judge, that you're innocent and you can just walk free. But that's not what it means. Instead, a person must still go before a human judge in a court of law, and he must be held accountable and judge for the crime that he, that person has committed. But here's what's interesting. When a presidential pardon is introduced to that proceeding, at that moment, it does not mean that that person is now innocent of their crime, but rather that judge now declares them innocent. Of their crime. You see the difference? They're still guilty, but they are declared under the law to be innocent of their crime. And family, that's exactly what happens, but to a much infinitely greater extent, what faith does for us. Because at the end of our lives, listen, you and I, we're all gonna have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before God, and we witness His holiness, and we witness all of our sin and what we have done, we, know, we will know that what we deserve is eternal hell. Right now, and you may not realize this, because you have not witnessed the glory and the holiness of God, but the moment your eyes set, your eyes are set upon the holiness and the glory of God, you will see what an offense even one of our sins are and you will know deep in your heart that the righteous judgment of God is to receive his wrath and spend eternity away from him. But folks, at that moment, when your soul realizes that that is what you deserve, that is when the righteousness of Christ will cover you and you will not suffer for your sins and you will be declared righteous by the holy God of the universe, amen? And you know one of the wonders of heaven for all eternity is that as you experience the blessings of heaven, you will never forget that moment where God stepped in and because of, the, of your faith, you were declared to be righteous. You will stand in awe forever Amen. about that truth. And folks, here's the thing, this blessing, it's not something you have to work for. It's not something that you have to uh, pay for. or, or, Or Instead, listen carefully, write this down as big number three. Saving faith is a gift of God. Now let's go back to the verse and let's read it carefully, okay. It says, for by grace, we learned that last week, you have been saved through faith. And then notice what it says. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Amen. Now, church, notice. Notice carefully what God's word says here. Because immediately after saying, you have been saved through faith, it almost like God stops right there. Wait a second. Just so you understand. And then it says, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. So not only is the grace of God a gift, so is even our faith in God a gift. In fact, listen to what God's word says in the, in the book of Romans chapter 12, it says this. It says, for by the grace that has given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly than yourself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according, listen carefully, to the measure of faith that God has what? A sign. A sign that God has given. In fact, there was a moment in, uh, while Jesus was here on this earth that there was a man with a demon-possessed young boy that came to the Lord for help f- for, for Jesus to cure him. And listen to what happens then. In Mark chapter 9, it says this. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And then immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, even that man knew at that juncture that we are dependent on God even for our faith. And so here's what I want us to process. For a gift to be truly a gift, now think about this, it must be something that is completely received without any form Payment, A form of payment from the recipient, right? In fact, in property transactions, whenever you don't want to give an outright gift, what sometimes it's done is that you can sell a property for a simple dollar. And if you sell that property for a simple dollar, right, at that moment there is a transaction that takes place, and it's no longer a gift but rather a formal transaction, right? You receive payment and you gave that property over to that person. And folks, I think sometimes it's easy for us to bring that type of mentality over to our faith, because what happens is so sometimes we treat it just like that transaction. Yeah, that 99% of it is God, but there's a, there's a part of me in my sinfulness, listen, that I'm, i i got to figure it out. That that, that, that that I'm smart enough that I, I got it in myself to put my faith in God. But, folks, that's not what the gospel teaches when you look critically. Because write this down, it's letter A and B. Your faith is not due to how smart you are. And it's not due, newsflash, to how wise you are. See, the danger of when you, there's a danger that when you put your faith in Christ, that somewhere along the line, you most may become prideful that something in you is when, when you look at other people. And here's what I mean by that. Because it's easy to think that you may think that the reason you came to know Christ is because you are smarter than everyone else at work that's not saved. Well, you can see, I, I, I'm smarter than them, so I figured it out. They haven't figured it out yet. Or, or perhaps it's easy for us to think, well, the reason I'm now right with God is because I got my act together and my old friends from school, my boys, they haven't figured it out. And so I got it. I, I got my, my act together. Or, or you, can, you can even get to the mentality of thinking the reason I'm right with God, I'm saved is because I'm wiser than the rest of my family who are not believers yet. I, I'm, I'm the wise one in my family. And you see, somewhere along the line, we can start thinking that it's due to ourselves. But the reality is because at some point in your life, listen, God intervened in your life, opened up your eyes to see the beauty of Christ, led you to believe. And from that point on, listen, God, now you have a relationship with God. And when you truly understand that it was all God from the beginning, you know what should create in your heart? Humility. In fact, listen to how that same verse in Ephesians finishes off, it's so important. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, and here's why, so that no one may what? Boast. Boast. And folks, I love that. Because when you and I stand before the righteous judge at the end of our lives. Listen, there is going to be zero room for boasting. Zero room for boasting. If you had a a little dollar part of your faith, of your salvation, you would 1% to boast. But because it was all God, listen, you will realize that everything about your relationship with Christ, it was all initiated by God. It is God who saved you. See, this is why the author of the book of Hebrews says this, and let us run, Christ fellowship, children of God, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the what? The author and the finisher of our faith. You see, not only is it the author, he sustains our faith through our lives and he is going to finish your faith amen Amen. because not one that are his will ever be lost and so folks let me in with this you know this truth that we are saved by by faith alone is the one truth that changed the life of martin luther the leader of the reformation his life forever you know you may not know this but luther was a monk who really wanted to pursue the things of God. He, he wanted to be right with God. And in his mind, it was faith plus something else. And so all of his life, he tried so much. He did everything. And he was to the point of exhaustion so that in his mind, he can think, I'm right with God. But listen to what he wrote down about his testimony when he truly understood this beautiful thought that we're saved by faith alone. He said this, he said this. Though I lived as a monk without reproach. I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I did not love. Yes, I hated the righteousness of God who who punishes sinners. I was angry with God. Thus, I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience at last by the mercy of God meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, he who through faith is righteous, they shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. And here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. Amen. And who knows, maybe you're here, you're visiting for the first time, maybe you started to come to church little by little and you're just kind of trying the things out of God, but the truth of the matter is, as I read Martin Luther's testimony, you kind of felt like Martin Luther. Maybe you feel exhausted, maybe you're standing here, sitting here today, watching us at home online, and you feel exhausted because in your mind, You've had to keep up this certain lifestyle to, in order to keep your salvation and to be right with God. That has, left, that has led you to be exhausted, turned off from God. And there's something in you that if you admit you're almost angry with God because you feel you can, you've got to live a life that you can never hold up. But here's the, the beauty of the gospel. That to be right with God is your faith, your faith alone. And the Bible says that the moment you put your faith in Christ, not only are you forgiven of your sins, not only then are you adopted as his son and daughter, but for the rest of your life, you will spend eternity with the Lord. The question is today, will you put your faith and trust in Christ today and finally enter the rest that he's offering you? Let's bow our heads for prayer. My Lord, we come before you and we are... You're so grateful that as we live out our Christian lives, yes, that even though we will pursue the things of God, ultimately, Lord, what makes us right with you is our faith and our faith alone. So, Father, help us, O Lord, to stand on that truth and live it out, O Lord. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today who are ready to take that step. And you're saying, you know, Omar, for the first time, I, I got to transition myself to fully trust in God and get right with God and start this journey with God. And so if that's you listen, I want to lead you through a prayer. And this prayer is not a poem and not a script. It's just me helping you talk to God. And here's what I want to challenge you is when you pray this prayer, if that's where you're at. Listen, you don't pray this to me. You pray this to a God who loves you and who saves you. And so if that's you pray this with me at all campuses. Father, today I realize the true consequence of my sin and I come before you when i confess all of my sin and today i've finally put my full trust my confidence my reliance on you so father i pray that you would just save me today and give me everlasting life and for the rest of this of my life lord help me now to live a life that honors you And that glorifies you, O Lord. Because, Father, I want to do what's right in your sight. But, Father, let me always rest in the fact that it's my faith and faith alone that saves me. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. amen. Hey, can we give it up for those who came to know Christ today? If that's you, listen, I want to challenge you on your way out. Stop by the Next Step booth. Stop right there. Just There's a group of people who are going to connect with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. And we want to be able to follow up with you and just help you now in your walk with Christ. So make sure you stop by there. Or if you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org connect. Fill out that form and we'll follow up with you then. Well, listen, next I want to encourage you to come back next week because we talked about how we are, we are saved by our faith alone. But how do we know that... The way our faith, how do we know that who, who to put our faith in? Why is it Christ and not any other religious ruler of this world? Listen, we're going to answer that question next week, all right? So be back next week. I think it's going to be very, very helpful for us, all right? Well, Christ Fellowship, I love you all. I want to ask all campus pastors to front. Have a great weekend. Enjoy this weather.